0: This morning, we are wrapping up our series, and we have walked through the book of Daniel. And so this morning, as we, as we close out everything and, and we come to the fourth part of this, this is the transition that I've been waiting to get to, the transition to get us to here. We have talked about culture war, and we've talked about Daniel's character Daniel's ability to to handle every situation, how Daniel has walked through, and how Daniel has handled the culture war of Belshazzar, of Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, the first six, seven chapters of Daniel is this growth process of Daniel. It is this process where Daniel is becoming what God wants him to be. Now, I know most of the time when we read the book of Daniel... We, we never get past the sixth or seventh chapter because to us, that, that's the book of Daniel. I mean, the, the lion's den, that's, that's the height of Daniel's life. I mean, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not bowing and going in the fire, that's the height of the life, but it's nowhere near the height of Daniel's life. Moments in time that simply give you these quick snapshots, it's not the importance of what life was meant to be. It's not what God designed for you. In fact, his whole goal, as I've entitled this part of the sermon this morning, is always leading you to more. Look at the person beside you and say, God is always leading you to more. I don't care where you are this morning. I don't care how smart you think you are. God, at this present time, is trying to lead you to more. He is trying to help you get to the next place that he wants you to be. That has been my greatest understanding of God throughout my whole life, is that no matter where I thought I arrived, God says, it's a good stopping point for right now. We'll get to moving here shortly, and I'll show you some more. I'll unwrap some more. And I found out that if I live to be 100 years old, I'm still going to be unwrapping things in life and understanding things that I may have thought I understood, but had no concept. And if you can grab this, then you will be able to move forward, and especially in the New Testament, because chapters 1 through 7 of Daniel talks about those stories. Chapters 8 through 12 are the height of his life. What Daniel becomes, as you turn in your Bibles with me this morning, to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 15 through 21 to be our starting point. And I'm going to hit several places. But let's think about Daniel's life. At the age of 15 to 17 in 605 B.C. approximately, he is carried to Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. He's a 15 to 18-year-old young man. A few years later, the king has a dream. is going to kill everybody, but Daniel saves everybody's life by interpreting, not only just interpreting the dream, but actually telling him what his dream was and telling him what it meant. King Nebuchadnezzar raises him up, but by the age of 30 to 35, we see the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see that Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. So at 30 to 35 years old, he is in another season of his life interpreting dreams, uh, helping the king, trying to help this dynasty understand what their role is in history, and, and, and interpreting all the things that's taking place. We have this long gap of time. And when we pick up Daniel next, Daniel is nearly 80 years old. He is nearly 80 years old. And at nearly 80 years old, after doing all of the different things and after interpreting all these dreams, God begins at chapter 7, 8 to begin to come to him and share a whole new season of visions that Daniel is not interpreting from the king anymore. These are visions given to Daniel. These are visions that Daniel has personally. That God says, now that I've tested you and proved that you can hear and interpret and understand, now I'm going to give you, and you have a heart for this, I am now going to bring you into your full season. He has gone from being Baal to Shazar, He has gone from being a slave. He has gone from being just under the king's rule. He's gone to being second in command. All of these things. But go with me to Matthew 24, and let's see what Jesus, the master, says about Daniel. Therefore, begin at, at verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by who? Daniel, the what? Daniel spent his entire life from trying to be renamed, retagged, slave, whatever title you tried to give him, and we talked about that several weeks ago, is understanding my title, who I am. You have to fight through that season of not letting someone else entitle you, someone else give you who you are. And Daniel fought through all of that and finally reached the plateau of what God intended for his life, which is that Daniel was always meant to be a what? A prophet. The whole goal was that God one day would say, Daniel the prophet. Daniel was my prophet. Hold on, Daniel was Nebuchadnezzar's prophet? No, no, at one time. At one time, he was under Belteshazzar. At one time, he was this. But there came a season when Daniel had grown and matured when I could come to Daniel and I could say, now, Daniel, it's time to do what I've been called you to do, not go through a lion's den. That, that's, that's child's play, son. We, we're way past that kind of stuff. And, and, and you have done made it past lion's dens, and you have done made it past threats of death, and you made. It. but I'm fixing to bring you into the season that I had called you from the time I allowed you to be born. And that is that you would be a prophet unto my nation. That you would be a voice to my people. And he says that, spoken by the Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. And he goes on. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back and get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight might be in winter or, or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Daniel's prophecies in chapters 8 through 12 are not just wonderful prophecies. They are end-time prophecies. They're speaking to Israel. But you have to understand that Israel at that moment doesn't exist. You have to understand that Daniel is speaking to a city that was torn to pieces. There's nobody living in that town. There, there, there's, no, there's no civilization. All the good was taken to Babylon. All the, the fine jewelry, all the, all the cups of the temple, all the ornaments is in Babylon. It's under a whole different kingdom, and there's no kingdom at this moment strong enough to remove it. And Daniel, at this season of his life, God says, I'm going to show you some things that you're going to write down, and you are going to be, for the next 500 years to my people, a prophet. Israel would reread Daniel from time to time and say, but there's coming a time when we will be reestablished. There's coming a time when we will go home. There's coming a time when we will not be here anymore. And Daniel's writings and Daniel's sayings of this time, he becomes a prophet to the people so much so that by the time... Jesus comes along, reading Daniel and quoting Daniel is a normal thing in their society. Even while they're under Roman rule, they're reading and quoting Daniel and saying, it won't always be like this. We're going to have a Messiah that's coming one day. We've got a champion that's coming one day. We've got one that's coming that will reign and rule. Daniel begins to do what God intended his whole life to accomplish. This is important. Because you can get stuck in a moment of your life and think, well, I was called to be a preacher. Well, that's a poor thing to be. There's a lot of them. I had a guy tell me yesterday, you know, for $200, you can get online and you can become one of those. That's a poor thing to become. That and $2 will buy you a drink at Quick Stop. We give ourselves titles because we love to find a place to plateau. We love to find a place to say, I've arrived, and I don't, to, I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to do anymore. I don't have to try anymore. Daniel is almost 80 years old, and God says, just about to get there, Ben. Just about ready to show you some stuff. If I show it to you now, Daniel, I know you'll weep and cry and pray. I know you'll, 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 you'll go for 19 plus days if necessary until an answer comes. I know what's in you now, Daniel. You're not the man or the boy you were when you came to Babylon all those years ago. Why is this important, Brother Lot? Because, listen, the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit being in you, the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit being in you, is to constantly keep growing you and using you for greater things. That's the whole purpose. It's not to help you feel good sometimes. Like everyone though, that receives the Holy Spirit, like everyone that begins this journey, it is a growth process. doesn't matter who you study. It doesn't matter if it's David starts off with taking care of sheep in the, in the fields. doesn't matter if it's Joseph who has a dream as a young boy and has to figure out it's probably not a good thing to be sharing this with your family all the time. You might want to use a little more tact. Daniel, in his life, what did he learn? He learned how to handle, how to say things the right way, how to to say it and not not bring wrath, not bring anger, but to say it in an encouraging way. Even when he's talking to the kings, he talks to them in such a way that he's not trying to get killed. He's just saying, I'll tell you the truth, but I'll say it as humbly as I can. This is important. It takes Joseph years in prison. It takes, takes Joseph being accused of rape to finally get to the point where by the time his brother shows up, he's not angry, he's not upset, he just looks at them and says, you meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. It takes a while for the process to take place. When the Holy Spirit's in you, part of that growing is not just miracles, it's not just lion den, it's not just fiery furnaces, it's, it's those gaps of time, those moments where it feels like nothing's happening when the most is happening. Now, let's understand these Old Testament prophets. When we talk about Old Testament prophets, when we, when we speak about their, their role and and what they did and, and kind of the, understand that they played an important role in, in society. From the time the, the manuscripts were written in the Old Testament, listen, prophets had one of the most important roles in that season. In fact, we divide most of the Old Testament into, into what we call the major prophets and the minor prophets. The major prophets include Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and Daniel. They're considered major prophets. It's amazing that we consider Daniel a major, but he's considered a major prophet. A, a real, like Isaiah, he didn't write 55 books, but he, he was an incredible prophet. Then there's all the minor prophets, there's 12 plus of those. There's, there's Hosea, there's Joel, there's Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. I mean, anybody ever start reading their Bible and get about there and you're like, I'm through. You get past all the fun stories, you get past all the good stuff, then it's like, I don't understand any of this. But to Israel, these are important because they are the bridge for how we're not going to go under, how we're going to survive, how God is not through with us. That when discouragement hit them, they would remind themselves with the Psalms that there's a champion coming. Hey, they would remind themselves that God said he would bring us back. Even Daniel, when he finds the book of Jeremiah... Begins to pray and seek God because Jeremiah says that after 70 years, God was going to restore them. And Daniel begins to say, God, forgive us for all our sins. Forgive us and thank you that you're going to do this. And he begins to seek God in all this. Jeremiah encourages Daniel in the process. It is in these prophets. Go with me in your Bibles to Luke 24, verses 44 through 49. Let me show you how important they were and what their goal really was. Then he said to them, Jesus speaking, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Now Jesus said, everything I taught you while I was alive on this earth, understand, this is what I taught you. This is specifically what I taught you. These are the words I spoke to you while I was still on the earth, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses And the, so Jesus said, my whole time here, people said, boy, I'd love to have been with Jesus. I'd love to, all you would have heard was Daniel. All you would have heard was Obadiah. All he did the whole time he was with them was explain to them what the Old Testament prophets were talking about. What he did was was to open up their eyes and understanding to everything that took place through the law of Moses and the prophets was to show a picture of me so that when I came on the scene and you saw me, you saw the law. And you saw the prophets. In fact, Jesus once was asked. He said, tell us the most important thing that's ever been taught by God. Tell us the the whole sum of everything. And Jesus said it very simply. He said, the whole law of the prophets, everything hangs on two things. That you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that you love your neighbor as yourself. What do you think Jesus' life was? It was encompassed in two things. That he lived his whole life loving God more than anything in this whole entire world. He gave God all his mind, all his hope, all his strength. And then what did he do for us? He loved us so much that he said nobody loves anyone more than he that will lay down his life for someone who doesn't even love them. But he said, I have done this. I have loved you. So I have fulfilled the law. I have fulfilled the prophets. I have done everything that's said. I have shown you openly the picture that God wanted you to see. Oh, I wish I, you, oh, if you could get that. This is the whole purpose, Jesus said, of my coming. He said, and these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all these must be fulfilled, which were written to the laws of the Moses and prophets and the Psalms concerning. He said, everything that you read in the Old Testament, you saw in the picture of me. This is what he says. And he opened their understanding. Ah. See, that's the key. What they thought they knew. God said... Let me give you another layer. Let me open your under. We've been following him for three years. We've been hanging out with him for three years. We, we know him. We know it. He- no, you don't. Let me open up your understanding that they might comprehend the... Everything God is doing in your life through the Holy Spirit is to draw you closer to Christ. In fact, the Bible says that when the Spirit comes... He will, his whole purpose is to reveal Christ to you. Now, if he reveals Christ to you, then what is he revealing? He's revealing the prophets and he's revealing the laws. That's why the closer you get to God, the more holy you become. The closer you get to God, the better you live. Because the whole the whole process is the same. Boy, I love Jesus. Oh, well, then you must mean you love her a Bible. Well, I can't stand reading the Bible. Well, you don't really love Jesus then. Because Jesus said, you can't say you love me and not obey my word. Isn't that what he said? So if you're in this room today and you say, I love Jesus, but you know you're doing things that's against his word, then you're lying. Look at the person beside us and say, like, don't be a liar. This is good preaching. In fact, the sung so long, I'd take an hour and a half to tell you all about it. But they did a good job, so I ain't complaining. Then he said to them, thus it is written. Notice how he says this. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus could be saying, guys, let me tell you what it's like to be you know, resurrected. Let me. No, Jesus does. Jesus refers right back to what? The Scriptures. As it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are the witnesses of these. So, go get it, right? Go get them. No, hold on. Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from where? So there's something here that's important. Jesus said, I have fulfilled the law, I have fulfilled everything, and I am now bestowing on you the promise of the Father. The purpose is, is to carry the gospel from one end of this world to the other. And I am bestowing that on you, and I'm giving that to you. But don't start until you go to Jerusalem and be endued with power. So what is he talking about? what, what is he? And, and for most of us, it comes from Pentecostal. Oh, that's the day that, that the church was born. That's the day God sent the Holy Spirit. That's the day, that's the day you know, we received tongues and, and, and power. Yes, but that's not the reason. That's why most people miss it. They get this deep, but they miss it. Let me show you what he's trying to teach. Go with me to Acts 2. Acts 2. And we'll pick up there. Beginning at verse 14. So... What we consider important happened. The power of God fell like cloven tongues, a fire on their shoulder. They all spoke in new language. They all come staggering downstairs. Man, they had church. And that's what it's all about is having church. Right? Wrong. Wrong. Because when they get down there, all of a sudden the people watching them, some are like, what in the world is going on? What is this? And others are mocking and saying, these folks drunk. But Peter stands up and says, no, this is the Holy Ghost. From this moment on, we're going to have some powerful church services right here. No, that's not what Peter says. Here's what Peter says. But Peter standing up with the 11 raised his voice. And said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Now, he's fixed to say something important. He is fixed, I'm fixed, he's fixed to drop the bomb on this thing now. And what does he say? For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what is spoken of by the prophet What do you mean the prophet Joel? We, we need, we got power now. We don't need, no, no, no. You can be messed up if you got power and don't know what you're doing with it. It shall come to pass, says the prophet Joel, in the last days, says the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Oh, yeah. And ain't no Pentecostal preacher can't preach that. For your sons, oh shoot, now he goes and messes it up. Because that's usually where we just cut it off right there. We put a period or an exclamation point. God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Well, if you listen, dumb dumb, and find out why he's doing it, it'll help you. For your sons and your daughters shall... Look at the person beside you and say, Are you good at prophecy? That's the question. And I don't don't have nothing against, and I pray in tongues probably more to all of y'all. Love it. Edifies me. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But that ain't the purpose. You miss the purpose and you're going to end up in a long train of misery. He says, here's the reason that I sent the Spirit inside of you. Here's the reason you've been empowered inside of you. So that you have the ability now to be a prophet. That you can prophesy. Not only prophesy, but your young men shall see visions and your old men or your elders shall dream dreams. So if you want to see something kicking and you want to see something rocking and you want to see something doing good, you find me a church where people are prophesying and you show me a people where they got vision going on and you show me a place where the old people are dreaming dreams and saying, I see one day this place full. I'm telling you, I see one day people, I can see classroom. We need to add another wing on. There's more people coming. Everything is, when you find me a church like that, I'll join that church because that's a church that's full of the Holy Ghost. Listen, I grew up in church. Went to camp meeting, summertime, wintertime. Back in the old days, we went three services a day just to all get pumped up to go nowhere. Because we thought if we fell out on the floor or we danced or did a jig, that it was all going to be all right when we went back to our messed up church. And the problem was always the same. We got stuck God going to pour out his spirit. For what? So that you could go back and prophesy. Yeah, but they kill prophets. Probably going to kill you too. Get used to it. You say, well, that ain't the New Testament way. Well, don't ask Jesus because he said, look, they didn't like me, and they didn't like my preaching, so you're going to be my servant, so what do you think is going to happen to you when you tell them what I would tell them? Oh y'all! Y'all don't want none of this. Y'all don't want none of this. It's way over your pay scale. But this is what Jesus says. And on your maid ser- men servants and on your maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they all gonna talk in tongues. No, what are they gonna do? Prophesy you can't prophesy, then you ain't got enough in you. You need to keep staying in an upper room somewhere. Because when you come down from an upper room, you better have enough in you that you can prophesy. That's what took Daniel all those long years. That's what took Joseph all those long years. They had to get to a point to where they could stand firmly and prophesy what thus saith the Lord and what's coming and what's fixing to happen. Go with me in your Bibles. So so understand, God is always leading you to more. Always leading you to more. Go with me to Romans 12, verses 3 through 9. Here's what it says. Here's what Paul says. For I say through the grace given to me, that everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith listen for as we have many members in one body but all the members do not have the same function so we being many are one body in Christ and in indwe- individually members of one another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us then if prophecy let us prophesy in proportion to our See, you can't prophesy anywhere beyond what you can hang on to and believe. If you don't have faith for it, you can't prophesy it. That's why I tell y'all, you need to set a mirror up in your house sometimes and learn prophecy. What do you mean, Brother Locke? The beginning of prophecy is learning to speak over you. We got enough messed up preachers wanting to speak prophecy over other people. What we need is people who have spent enough time speaking over themselves, standing in front of a mirror and saying, man, I'm good looking. Man, I'm blessed. Man, I'll tell you what, I am going to give the devil fits today. Man, greater is he that's in me than anything that's going to be in this world today. See, until you, can, until you can speak that, you ain't ready to go outside and have your boss get mad at you. You'll be, I'll tell you what, I ain't going to put up with this stuff no more. I'm just, I'm you, you can't be a slave like Dan. You can't be like like Joseph. You you can't be like Peter and James and John. You, you're not going to be, not because you're not full of the Spirit. It's because you don't have enough faith to prophesy. Until you can look at your wife and say, babe, we're going to make it. I don't know. I'm telling you, we're going to make it. We're going to make it, not just going to barely make it. We're going to make it, and they're going to brag on us at the end. We're not just going to get through. We're going to get through with a bunch of good stuff. We're going to be blessed on every side. We're going to be the tail and not the head head and not the tail. I'm telling you, we're going to be blessed going in, baby, and we're going to be blessed going out. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I don't know where it's coming from, but the Bible says if I seek the kingdom of God, all of these things shall be added unto me. That means he didn't leave anything off the list. Whatever I have need of, he He's going to supply it. If you can't look in the mirror and do that, then you can't look at somebody and tell them, it's going to be all right. Brother lot I'm not sure. Oh, don't you worry about it. I'm telling you. We're going to touch hands and two touching anything and agreeing upon. I agree with it. And, and the Bible says where one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. That means if 10,000 rise up against you tomorrow, me and you done agreed, you're going to win this thing. <laughs> See when you can speak to yourself Then you can speak to others And when they're discouraged You can encourage them That's, that's what it's designed to do and Here's the way one writer put it And we'll come right back He said one of the most visible gifts is prophecy which today can be defined as the ability to speak forth truth from God's Word. We don't have to prophesy like, oh, the end of the world is coming. All, that's, all that prophecy is done. There's no new, new message we have to preach. We're not prophets like Daniel of old. That's not our call. Our call is to speak what God has said and to declare that it is true regardless of any lie that ever tries to come against it. You won't make it. Oh, don't tell me I won't make it. God says I can't help but make it. You're not smart enough. Don't tell me I'm not smart enough. The Bible says if I lack wisdom, he says ask and I will give liberally to anybody that needs wisdom. Don't tell me that I'm not able to overcome it. Believers with a gift typically have a strong biblical perspective and an ability to accurately handle Scripture. They were able to discern false doctrines and warn God's people about deception. They desire, Their desire is to promote obedience to the Word and to address heart issues that could lead people away to sin. That's prophecy. So when I'm up here with this ugly look on my face and I'm quoting Scripture at you, what I'm trying to do is to get you to understand it is the truth. Don't be deceived by some other lie or something somebody said on the 6 o'clock news or what somebody posted on Facebook or what the History Channel decided it learned. If it doesn't align itself with God's Word, then it's false. Somebody says, I'm 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 sick. The Bible says you're healed. I got health problems. The Bible says that he can heal, deliver you from anything. See, it's all about looking in that mirror and saying, who am I? What is it that I have? This is the prophecy in our modern age. In the, in the Old Testament, they had two jobs. And ours is similar but a little different. Their job was simply this. To tell people where you're going, tell the future, and to tell people where you're at. So when you read Old Testament prophets, they're telling them two things this is where you're at, and this is where you're going. In the New Testament, we already have his promises. So we don't deny, we tell people, this is where you're at. But we have a new way of looking at people and say, well, here's where you're going here's where God says you're going. If you will travel with him, if you'll walk in the light as he's in the light, if you will allow the spirit to do its work, here's where you're going. So when all these people are preaching and speaking all this stuff, uh, uh, blessings and all this, they're not wrong. But it only happens in proportion to your faith. Remember we just read that according to your faith, prophecy operates. So having the gifts according, prophecy in proportion to faith. Listen, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil and cling to that which is good. That's the process. And in that, I am prophesying over lives. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, and I've got to hurry. So prophecy is designed to push you forward. That's all it's designed to do. In church, what we are to be doing is encouraging, exhorting, lifting each other. Let me show it to you. Here's what the Bible says. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may, this is important, Paul is saying, listen to me, pursue love, love everybody, hey, all the spiritual gifts that are out there, go for them. Hey, I've spoken tongues, I've interpreted tongues, God's given me gift of healing at times, God's given me miracles at times, God I, I, I've, I've walked through the gamut, but there is none, none more powerful than the gift of prophecy. That's why Peter started out with it on the day of Pentecost. That's why Paul talks about it here in Corinthians. He says, listen to me, it's great to have spiritual gifts. The Corinthians lacked no spiritual gifts. They were loaded with spiritual gifts. And he said, always remain in love. Don't think of yourself better. But understand, prophecy is a key one. Why? Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy why? For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to... That's why when you're in these church services and everybody's dab 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 do, and everybody walks out, who's, who feels good? Only the person going dab dab do. The rest of everybody else, you ever notice the church service? They're all sitting there like, "What are we going to eat after this thing's over?" with? Some of them already cut out halfway through. The ones that didn't get it, they just cut on out and head to the restaurant early. So when you speak in an unknown tongue, if that's what you're pursuing, understand there's nothing wrong with it. It is a gift. But for he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks uh, to men, but to God. For no one understands him. In the Spirit, he speaks. Yeah. Yeah. In in the spirit, he's doing good. It's it's a gift. It's nothing wrong. And I thank God I speak in tongues and pray in tongues. Like I said, as much as anybody, I'm thankful. But I know what it's there for. It's for those moments when it's just me and God. It's just me, and and I don't even know what sometimes to pray for. And I don't know all that's going on in the spirit world, and I don't know all that's fighting me. And God says, you need to be in the spirit, Tim. You need to pray, and you need to fall. You need to get in here and get in tongues, and you need to just let me fill you up. I don't even know what you're filling me up for. Don't worry about it. You'll know about it later. You just need to get strong, son. Because you're in a fight. You don't even see the enemies around you. He says, this is important. But understand, you're talking mysteries in your ear. But he who prophesies, when you prophesy, when you bring that into the church, what happens? It speaks edification. When you prophesy, it speaks exhortation. When you prophesy, it brings comfort to. I used to get so angry with that. man. I wanted to be one of those, you know, somebody come to the altar, I just want to pop them in the head. Man, I used to watch him guys. I'm like, that's me, man. That's what I want to be. God, z- zap me like that. Just pop, pop, pop. they just laying everywhere. And I'm like, man, that's cool. That's what I want. God's like, we're going up. What do you mean we're going up? We're going past that. We're like, pass it? How are you going to pass it? That's it. That's the, that's, that is the height, man. And God's like, no. What I want you to do to them is you can line them up. And I want you to walk in front of every one of them, and I want you to tell them what their dreams mean. And I want you to tell them what's in their mind. What? I want you to walk by them and say right now you feel this right here and you're going through this and I want their eyes to get real big and I want you to say God wanted me to tell you it's going to be okay. My like, God that's really weird. He said Tim listen to me. If you go down there and you just pray in tongues they're going to go home with that same problem. But if you can get in their face and you can bring prophecy into their life now you exhort them you build them up you comfort them. Even in preaching, you do this—not preaching, just messages—but preaching so that somebody comes up to you after, and say, "Pastor, I'm ten. I was just thinking about that this week." Just like Joel said, the sermon, the, the message, the scripture he had in his mind, somebody done told him, "Hey, this is a scripture. I do you understand? That's prophecy. That's exhorting one another." The moment he's told that, how do you think that makes him feel when he gets up here to preach, to speak? All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I know I got the right thing. Why? Because somebody done confirmed it in me. Somebody done prophesied into my life, and now I can prophesy into yours. This is important. This is such important teaching. But he who prophesies speaks for edification, exhorting. He who speaks in a tongue edifies Understand, when you're in a church service, and nothing wrong, there are times I need to be in a church service. I really don't care about y'all. Only person that needs to be lifted up that day, me. That's why we have altars. We give altar calls. Are you the one that needs to be lifted up? Yes. Then, then, Then don't worry about it. You just come and get filled. But if you're not that person then understand that everything you're doing is just for you. You ain't helping nobody. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the whole. I know y'all have heard all this preaching a lot. I don't forget time. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Because I didn't either. But this is the ultimate goal that God wants for your life. Yes, I want you filled with the Holy I want everybody in here to pray in tongues. I want everybody here to be filled with the Spirit. That's my goal, for you to be able to feel yourself at times when you're low. But more importantly than that, I want you to also be able to step beyond that and be able to, at Walmart, bump into somebody and just sense that something's not right with them. And be able to say, you all right, sweetie? No, I, I don't... Oh, it's just stuff going on. Hey... I'm not trying to bother you. God just spoke to me and just said for me to check on you. What? Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but God just told me, just come by and, hey, I'm not trying to get in your business. If you say, hey, I ain't got no problem, it's good. I'm going to walk away. But if you say, hey, I'm glad God did that, then let's pray about whatever it is right now. You know how you'll change somebody's life at that moment? You can walk down aisle 13 and go, whoop a doop a doop da doop doop they are probably going to call the police. Somebody's going to taser you before you get through aisle 14. <laughs> that done had a problem. We just had to just zap that one. That's what Paul is trying to teach here. Because Corinthians had that problem. They, 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 the louder they got, the more excited they got. The, I thought they were more spiritual. And he said, guys, you get. You, you, I need you to go up. He who speaks with to the tongue edifies this. I wish you all spoke with so don't think when I say this that oh, bro lots again. No, it's part of your Christian heritage. You need to be able to pray in tongues. But that only edifies who? You. There, there are moments I, I'm down. Well then pray. But even more than you, even more that you prophesy. That is the goal. For he who prophesies is greater. Oh man. Listen, it's not my teaching. So before y'all get mad at me talking about, I'm I'm just like anti-Pentecostal. I just want you to know, I'm just reading this line for line. I am not writing this. People are like, he's preaching anti-God. I'm just reading the Bible. And I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than anyone speaking in tongues. That was like a bomb that went off in my brain when God finally showed me those scriptures. And it took me years to wrestle out that that was accurate. Unless indeed he interprets. In other words, if there is a, tongue in, a word in tongues, then that can be even greater than prophecy. Why? Because someone will then in English interpret it so that everyone can be edified through the Holy Spirit. Only, only when somebody is interpreting that tongue, that we're not talking about praying in tongues, but when somebody gives a tongue and somebody interprets that tongue, well, now it can be greater. Because now we understand what's being said. But unless it's being understood, it's, it can't help you. Unless indeed it interprets that the church may receive edification. Okay. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 13 and 2. I'm hurrying. Believe me, I am. So this, is, this, is, this can be dangerous. Because if you line folks up and want to just start prophesying over people, that can be really dangerous. That's why most people shy away from prophecy. But it's also why our churches are struggling. Because prophecy is our greatest weapon and it's the one thing we're scared the most of. Because when we think of prophecy, we think of somebody holding standing up here and saying, Oh, I see a Cadillac in your future. You're going to be pregnant in three weeks? When we think of prophecy, we think of some fruitcake in a white suit. Going around telling everybody, you're going to get this, and you got this, and for $33, I'm going to give you this. And that's not prophecy. It's been abused many times. And we call our prophet so-and-so. I'm prophetess so-and-so. No, you're not. You may have the gift of prophecy. Because understand, the gifts are manifestations. They are simply things that aren't yours. They're things that move through you. So there is no prophet Tim Lott, although Pastor Tim Lott can sometimes prophesy. Sometimes I may pray in tongues. Sometimes I may speak a word in tongues. All of that can be gifts. Sometimes he gives me a word of wisdom. But they're God's gifts given to the church. Here's what he says. And though I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all the mysteries. Wouldn't that be cool? Paul said, what if I could understand all the... In prophecy, I'm like Daniel. I could see stuff. Wow. And, And all knowledge. And though I have all faith, so that I can move mountains with what I see. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. It must be held... This gift must be held tightly around the cocoon of love. Otherwise, we look at somebody and say, I tell you what, you don't quit doing that. You're going to end up in jail. Are they telling you the truth? Yes. They're prophesying over you. Are they doing it in a loving way? No. What they should do is with tears in their eyes, because God has burdened them with a the knowledge and said, I'm going to show you what this person's future will be. It should break your heart, and you should with tears say, hey, I'm just telling you what God's laying on my heart right now. If, if you don't change what you're doing, even though God loves you and I love you, you're headed for some trouble. And I'm praying that you don't do this. Or Which one would you want to hear? I've spent my whole life learning how to prophesy to people in a good way. I was at a wedding yesterday. All kinds of people. Good, bad, and ugly. And and, and what wears me out is I walk up to every one of them and I know what's in them. The gift of discernment is part of it. I can walk by you and I know what's irking you. I know what's alien. But now the problem is I can't just walk up to you and say, Look, now I know you and God got a problem. You need to get it right. I can't do that. I may just walk by and say, hey man, I love you. Okay. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to prepare soil. I'm trying to get as much of that in there as I possibly can and try to give you edification. Trying to give you understanding. Trying to give you, at the same time, always letting you know that I love you. Paul said, if you can't do it in love... And don't just go tell people what God revealed to you is going to happen to them. Look, you don't quit. This is going to happen. i am tell you what, it said right there in the Bible. This is what. Yeah, you're reading the Bible at them, but you're not. It has to be in love. If someone is addicted to something, cigarettes or something, it doesn't matter what it is, you walk up to them and you're like, man, you, you, want, you want to do this stuff? This stuff's getting expensive. Man, I wish I could quit hey, I believe God can, can help you here. I believe, will would you, would you, would you let me pray with you? you no, I'm just discerning the situation. And then I'm prophesying God's word because God said I can deliver you. Does this make sense? Go with me to Acts 1 and 8. The whole purpose of this was for one reason. Acts 1 and 8. So prophecy is always pushing you. It's always pushing the person you're talking to. It's always pushing people toward good and better. Jesus says, but you shall, be, you shall receive power. Now what is this power? Power to prophesy. Power to speak. Power. You shall receive power after when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And how do you know you got this power? You shall be witnesses to me. That's prophecy. Maybe the prophecy is, you need to be saved. But that's the first prophecy a person can hear. But there's hundreds of them afterwards. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. Let me ask you a question. Why and what? Do you live for? Why are you alive? See, until you receive the Holy Spirit, until then you always are going to struggle with this, why am I here? But the moment you receive the Holy Spirit, the very first quickening in your life is, is that you are here because you're supposed to lead as many people to Christ as possible. How do I know that? Because when the Spirit comes, the first thing He's going to do is you're going to be my witnesses. That's the whole purpose you're receiving the Spirit. You're going to prophesy. So God's desire is for everyone to prophesy. Someone would say, Pastor Lott, I don't know how. I don't know how to do this. If you're beginning at this, then let's just start from basics. Get you a mirror at the house. Let me just go ahead and help you. Get you a mirror at the house. Be your bathroom mirror. It could be whatever. Go to the internet. Pull up encouraging scriptures, scriptures that speak life. Whatever you want to pull up, scriptures that speak life into my life. Scripture. Print them off. Print them off big enough where you can stand in front of a mirror, and where it says. I, Tim Locke, can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just start reading them. Start memorizing them. Start getting them in your heart and in your spirit. No weapon formed against me will prosper. If an enemy comes against me one way, he will flee seven ways. Just start memorizing them. Start looking at that mirror and say, that's who I am. I am a child of God. I have the kingdom of God living inside of me. If the kingdom, eternal kingdom, is living inside of me, if God Almighty, who is the Alpha and Omega, is living inside of me, then who dare be against me? For the Bible says, if God be for me, who dare even think they would want to take on Tim Lot?" And when you begin to do that, like Daniel, like others, and you establish your identity, then don't be surprised if you bump into someone who doesn't have one. Wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Because until you got the power, you can't go into Walmart, look at somebody broken, and then look at you and say, you know, I'm really struggling. All you're going to do is look at them and say, you know, me too. But I'm just trying to hang in there for Jesus. Just hush. You're not helping. You're letting that person know that going to church and serving God, I wouldn't feel no better if I did. Until you can look at them and say, you don't have to be that way. Let me give you some words. Some words God gave me. And then you can edify and build up a person. Daniel was never called Belshazzar. Daniel was never called a slave. He was never called just Daniel. But when Jesus speaks about him 500 years later, he says, Daniel the prophet. It's not what I was doing at the moment. It's what God was doing in the moment. And I got to be a part of it. Will you stand? So, to be a prophet, it simply means this I must be able to speak God's word to the future and declare the truths of Scripture to my moment. Every one of you in this room is called to be a prophet. You may be 10 years old and you're called to be a prophet. What do you mean, brother? you got to speak and say, I will pass this grade. I will one day go to college. I will one day graduate. you got to begin, even at your age, begin to learn to prophesy and speak. If you can, if you can, you make your way prosperous. If you don't, you can hear Pastor Lot tell you this for the rest of your life. And you can walk out and say, uh, I don't know. It's not until you get it in you that it works. Joel said something this morning, and I'm not going to pull that scripture up. He said, All of these things, the promises, everything, works from the power that is from within. God, I need something. Gotta need a miracle. He said, Tim, I already put it in you. I'm in there, son. But you have to prophesy it out. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. And if you can't change your tongue, you can't change your life. Whoever you are in this room today that I'm speaking to, I'm not mad, I'm not upset, I hope we're best friends. But there's only so far I can go with my crying, my preaching, my loving you. It breaks my heart to watch that you won't change your words to produce the life that God wants for your life. And he sent me by to tell you today: Is that until you change your words and begin to speak, my family will be blessed, my marriage will survive, my children will grow up healthy. But until you can speak that, doesn't matter how many times you run to Pastor Lot and say, "Bro, Lot, would you pray? Bro, Lot, you think? What do you? If you're going to walk out and speak something totally contrary to it." then you prophesy over your own life. And what makes us different as children of God is that we have the power to prophesy. Things that are not as though they are, that's called faith. It's the substance of things that are not, but we believe they're already there. God says today, you got to choose. So if you're in this room, here's your, here's your work. I, I, don't, I don't need you to come to the altar this morning. I had an awesome altar call. I don't need you to come and say, "God, give me strength, God, help me, got no. I need you to go get a mirror. Here is your altar call. Go get you a mirror. Print you off and if you can't see like me, very good, print it off real big. And it's going to seem stupid and silly at the first, because your, your, your mind's going to be like this is crazy. yeah, because your mind's what's keeping you where it is. But until you can look there and smile in that mirror and say, yes, that's who I am. Then nothing else matters. Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Then you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Guys, I love you. I hope this series has brought something good to your life. Will you bow your heads? Father, I got no more. They're going to have to choose what words come out of their mouth. Negative, positive. And the words they choose will affect their life. They prophesy over their own lives. They're speaking their futures into existence. Father, would you please allow truth To not only be in front of them, but to come out of them. Let them learn to speak. Speak boldly into a culture that is so confused. It is a culture war. But the final step of that battle, the final step of overcoming our culture, is beginning to prophesy over who we are in the midst of all that's going on. And Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you.